Welcome to Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What? The podcast where we make each other watch movies we should have already seen. I'm Diana. And I'm David. And today we are talking about shampoo. On election day 1968, a hairdresser and ladies man is too busy cutting hair and dealing with his various girlfriends and his mistress, whose husband he meets and finds out is having an affair with his ex-girlfriend. This movie is so frustrating. <sighs> you know why this movie is frustrating? Because men are the worst. There's that. Well, yes. Absolutely. Okay. Warren Beatty. Oh, he's the worst. I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. I don't think Warren Beatty's that great. No, he's not. I don't even think Warren Beatty's that attractive. If anybody with any charisma Mm -hmm. and screen presence was in this role besides Warren Beatty, I feel like this movie works. Because you know who's great in this movie? All the fucking women. The women are awesome. I wouldn't say that. I would. But here's the thing. The women all have shit they have to do. Yes. Well, okay, here's a correction. He has a lot of shit to do. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Yes. That dude did not spend five fucking minutes learning how to cut hair. <laughs> did it. I if you tell me he went to hair school, I'm like, uh-uh. The whoever taught him how to cut hair needs to be fucking fired. Because <laughs> he is not believable as a hairstylist in any fucking universe. Yeah. No. 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 Because, and here's why. There's no scene in which he's trying to juggle things where he is believable. No. So the whole, like, just come to the shop. Just come to the shop. Oh, no. Like, the whole, like, let me talk to all these women who all think I'm hot. I get that. that I totally understand. I totally get what's going on. He's horrible at it, and he ruins the entire movie. He does. Because the fl- it should be snappy, and it should be fast, and it should be frenetic, and we should be like, how are you keeping this straight? And oh, there are parts of this you're not keeping straight. And the it's so bad. And then there's this other part of this where it's like, he should not exist outside of that salon. He should not exist outside of a room he's not doing hair in until we see him fail at the bank. We shouldn't. We just, because that's the whole thing. That's the only thing he's good at is either fucking or doing hair. Those are the only things he can do. (laughs) Yeah. It's so bad. Like- the thing about this movie for me is that I sit there and I watch it and I go, there's a really great movie here. There's- and there's lots of really great moments. And even in the worst delivered parts sure. of Beatty's performance, sure. especially near the end, it takes this really cool turn. I love the fact that this is a sex farce that near the end turns very romantic tragedy. Like, there's a lot of cool stuff going on here. Uh-huh. But again... It all comes back to your lead has no charisma or believability in this character. No. None. No. Even uh. the premise alone, which we'll get to, does not ever read because the man has nothing to offer. All he does is just be like, I'm going to make you look hot. And that makes me hot. And it's just like, it's really not. This is not attractive. He basically like, he essentially rapes a woman in her own bathroom. Yeah. I mean... That's essentially what happens. It's bad. Like, this movie's in real poor taste. And I was like, I understand what you were trying to do. You didn't fucking do it. You didn't even come fucking close. This movie's horrible. (laughs) Horrible. And the only reason they're calling it genius is because he didn't get the girl that he wanted at the end. That is the only reason anyone is calling this genius. It it is bullshit. Well, it's also... Bullshit. You know what it is, too? 
is that it is the timeliness of it because a comedy like this was not as coarse, was not as brash, was not as openly. I mean, people didn't show middle fingers and say cunt in a movie in 1975. And that's what people suddenly responded to. It was like, holy shit, they're like showing warts and all. I... But again, it's shock value. But and in 1975, but they, the, but to no effect. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, they serve no purpose. They were literally there to razzle dazzle you away from the fact that your lead actor can't act in this movie. Yeah, and that's not to say that Warren Beatty cannot act. We know that he can. He cannot act in this film. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. He's the problem to me because I honestly really like what everybody else is offering. <laughs> Other people are good. But it goes into a black hole. uh, But other people are not great. Everyone everyone else with him, they're acting against a piece of cardboard. Yes. That is 100% true. It's going nowhere. That makes them look amazing, but they're not that good. (sighs) I'm sorry. Goldie Hawn is horrible. And I love Goldie Hawn. Goldie Hawn can be a genius. She's crap in this movie. Mm. Mm. she is other ladies because the thing is we see we see a lot of the other ladies on their own they're not that interesting they really aren't they just aren't i i, I, I disagree but I, I don't think they're that interesting i found yeah. them really full and awesome characters I, in a weird way I, not not out of any intention of the writers or makers of the movie i i did not find many of them interesting i don't know well let's figure out who to blame the budget for this movie was four million dollars and the movie grossed around $50 million. Makes sense. These are pretty big name stars. Sure. And it's an adult comedy. Yep. And so that's hugely popular gonna in make, the 70s. It's going to make money. It's also a movie about Hollywood that is very different than any movie about Hollywood ever made. It's Hollywood adjacent. It's L.A. It's an L.A. movie. Saying it's a Hollywood movie is not accurate at all. Well, okay. When you get some of the context, you'll kind of see how it's yep. Hollywood. Nope. Cubic rule. You need context to understand your movie. Your movie sucks. I I understand. Like, there are Hollywood people in there. Sure. He does Hollywood people's hair. But the film does not play take place in or around film sets. This film is about L.A. That's mm. not about Hollywood. So let's talk about our writers. We have Robert Town, who wrote Mission Impossible from 1996 and Chinatown, among other things. Okay. And Warren Beatty. Yep. This is his first writing effort. Okay. He goes on to write Heaven Can Wait, Reds, Love Affair, and Bullworth. Okay. I think anything interesting about the plot and dynamic of this story was provided by Town. Okay. And everything gross and not fun and not interesting was provided by Warren Beatty. Because I know Robert Town can write a compelling, interesting script. We really liked Mission Impossible. We did a whole series on Mission Impossible. Chinatown's fucking incredible. I've never seen it. Robert Town is probably responsible for the ending of this film. I would guarantee you, because Warren Beatty never would have written The Girl Leaves Him at the end. Probably not. And again, in another world with this kind of comedy, this is, like I said, a a sex farce that slowly becomes a poignant, tragic breakup story. Yeah. That I think is really cool and different at the time. But Warren Beatty just has to show off how much he can have sex with women. Yeah, which is funny for like five minutes. Well, also, Town wrote on this script for eight years before finally getting it produced. Mm, Okay. Given the setting, that kind of makes sense. And also, around the time he's probably writing this, 
something happens in the Hollywood Hills around 1968. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Some, some people got stabby-stabbied. The structure is loosely based on William Witcherly's The Country Wife, a 1675 restoration comedy in which the protagonist feigns impotence to be allowed to be in the company of married women whom he can seduce. I did that play in college with <laughs> the most man-hating woman ever. <laughs> like, it was so insane. <laughs> when we say country, yeah, country wife, yeah, that makes sense for this. Ugh. It's a little bit of a stretch, but the idea came to town who flipped it by supposedly, and this is, I guess, what was in the script, mm -hmm. was that as a hairdresser, he uses his stereotype of being gay to connect with women and then revealing he's straight. Which again, if that's the plot, when the fuck were we ever told that? That may have been an original conceit of the, the script, but it's never actually in the movie. No, they guess at it a couple of times. Which, yeah, which grossly. Mm-hmm. Which I don't really want to excuse, but of the time... There's a lot of bullshit of the time, and I I don't I don't want to excuse it because it's not okay. I just have to understand it. Yeah, well, also it it goes to the point of was this true to who these characters would have been? There are times where I do think, like with Lester, I feel like it's bad, but it's also kind of true to who Lester would be. Yes, a Nixon Republican about that stuff is probably gonna think like that. Whereas certain things are not indicative of that time and should not have been tolerated at the time. And that's really where it comes down to. It's like, would this character act this way? Yes. Yes, yeah. they would. Yeah, no, no, I, I get all that. So again, Town is the one who has this whole idea. Mm -hmm. I think he's got a solid idea. I think he's got a solid script. And I think Warren Beatty fucks it up. That sounds about right. George is based off of two celebrity hairdressers. Okay. Jay Sebring and John Peters. Now, Jay Sebring was a revolutionary men's hairdresser. He came up with the ideas of shampooing men's hair, cutting with scissors, and blow-drying. Okay. He started using hairspray on men's hair, and he worked with Warren Beatty, Steve McQueen, Paul Newman, Frank Sinatra, and Sammy Davis Jr., and gave Jim Morrison his famous look. His signature look, yeah. Okay. He's also known for launching Bruce Lee's career in Hollywood. He dated Sharon Tate, right before she married Roman Polanski and was good friends with her and was one of the victims of the Tate-LaBianca murders at Cielo Drive at the hands of the Manson family. Wow. Okay. He was a very famous figure within the Hollywood scene. Okay. Peters is a wild, wild-ass figure in cinema. He has some bonker stuff. He has an autobiography, which I kind of want to read because he sounds like a complete asshole. He immediately jumped from hairstyling into producing films. Okay. So this was totally a springboard. This this informs the Georgeness of the character for sure. sure. He dated Barbara Streisand from 1973 to 1982 and came up with all of those signature looks in the sure, 70s. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also was big in the production of her version of The Star is Born yeah. in 1976. Okay. He has been banned from numerous sets for atrocious, invasive behavior and strong addiction to drugs, Yep, including sense. The New Star is Born. Really? Well, Bradley had to give him credit, and people asked, why would you give this man credit? Because he's well known for being horrible in Hollywood circles. And he was like, 
he still holds the rights, so we have to give him a producer credit, we but he to, was never on set. We have to credit him. Yeah, I mean, that's just the way it is. And he also bought out the rights to Superman, oh. but he has been paid off and banned from the sets for all of the most recent Superman films as well. I mean, hey, it's the equivalent of uh, domain squatting. But also, <laughs> he is the producer who Kevin Smith had to argue with over Peter's vision of the Superman movie of Superman fighting a giant spider, which was later used in Wild Wild West. If you've never heard that story from Kevin Smith, it's bonkers. He didn't name names, but it was John Peters. There's just a whole lot of information to process uh-huh, uh-huh. in a short period of time, David. But George is supposed to be a mix of a revolutionary hairdresser okay, and a complete egomaniac. And we only get one of those. Just get an asshole, really. And a sad sack. He shouldn't be a sad sack. Well, and he's incompetent also. To fit with the flow of the story, like what I would have loved is that he's so competent. He's so amazing. And he's so charismatic. And then slowly over the movie, all of that gets eroded away until he's left at the end as a husk. That would be so good. No, but like I would I would have loved just, just that like, yeah, he is so amazing. Like you just be like, oh, come to the shop, come to the shop, come to the shop. And you're just like, how are you going to see all these people and see the, all these people who are just coming in the shop to see it? Because basically you're acting like this shop is your office. But you have to see all these people and you're also sleeping with ladies left and right. But like we see him doing all of that. And then at the end of the day, he's going home to a girlfriend. And then the next day he does it all over again. And it just keeps going and going and going. And then we find out that he's selling himself to open up his own shop because he's great and he is great. But he can't keep it all together. Like he has to have someone else running everything else because all he can do is hair and sell himself. That's all he knows how to do. But then once he has that meeting at the bank and they're like, no, man, like we're not buying what you're selling, that starts to crumble it for him. He starts messing up with the hair like he a haircut goes wrong Ooh. or he does a haircut that does look fabulous. People don't like it. Oh, man. Or like it doesn't hit. It's not a runaway hit. And he starts losing his confidence and stuff like something like that happens. And then then he loses an erection. <laughs> oh no what do we do of course Beatty claims it was his idea to set the film around the 1968 election night which again the compressed timeline fucks the story like I didn't get that it was election night really this happens I, over like three days and I don't care <laughs> and it shouldn't happen over three days it's too short for you to understand what's going on or to care it's like why do I care that you have a busy hairdresser it's not you want to you want to know why I would care if this guy in such a truncated time was this busy? Award season, Oscar night. Uh-huh. Go watch. I oh, I think it's called Styling Hollywood. The guy who who styles all the ladies for for an awards night. If he's got six or seven ladies on one night, damn, that guy is running around town. It is crazy. That this, would be interesting. This is a fascinating slice of life '60s portrait. Mm-hmm. That was turned into a Warren Beatty vanity project. And the more I think about it, the more frustrating it gets. He just needed an ego stroke that day. Because everybody else here, I feel like, was at least trying to do something interesting. I don't know, but it's not good. Let's talk about our director. Okay. Hal Ashby. I know this name. 
His first major film was Harold and Maude, which oh. we have covered on this on yep. this show. Mm-hmm. Then The Last Detail, one of my favorite underrated movies. Mm-hmm. After this, he does Bound for Glory, Coming Home, Being There, Secondhand Hearts, Looking to Get Out, Slugger's Wife, and Eight Million Ways to Die. He also edited In the Heat of the Night. We talked about that and mm. his win for that. Uh, he was an editor long before he was a director. Okay. <sighs> this feels like a Hal Ashby movie, but without any of the careful plotting and through line. Like, Hal Ashby is so good at making a very subtle story, and none of that's... He's not allowed to do any of that. There's nothing subtle. No. And I don't know that I would... I, I just... I don't care. You you look at something like this and Harold and Maude, and you go, that's such an amazingly great love story. <laughs> it is. There's something joyful in there, and there's nothing... Jo- like, there is no point where you look at Warren Beatty's character and go, he's having fun. <laughs> like, not even when he's fucking. You don't. You can't even tell that he's enjoying himself. No. Like, he's just like, oh, this is just what I do. Oh, we'll get into some more of the dynamics of why that might be happening. I, I don't care. It's just like, this guy, like, yeah, this is the thing he's really good at. You do not enjoy anything you do. And meanwhile, meanwhile, he's got he, the party scene is so interesting to look at at times. And the the whole scene at the dinner where the guy's reciting the the native songs is bonkers and ridiculous. But then you just come back to, but I don't care because this guy is so terrible. Yep. Like, am I supposed to think that he's in any way interesting or good? Because he's not. He's not at all. And so... Yeah. I look it's, at it and I go... It's bad. I've seen Hal Ashby movies. This kind of feels like a Hal Ashby movie, but also, how the fuck would I know? I I, you, I just don't. I don't even care. No. I don't care at all. <laughs> Let's get to our cast. Hey, it's Warren Beatty. Oh, joy. It's he's, Warren Beatty. He's playing George. Before this, Splendor in the Grass, All Fall Down, Lilith, Bonnie and Clyde, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, The Parallax View. After this, Heaven Can Wait, Reds, Ishtar, Dick Tracy, Bugsy, Love Affair, Bullworth, and Town and Country. Sucks. He sucks. I, I don't know. He sucks. This makes me question if Warren Beatty has actually ever been a good actor. Like, it's that thing of, is he good or is he just tall? He's not even that tall. I know. I know. It's so bad. He's horrible in this movie. What like, is he doing? I don't know. <laughs> but it's not good. Man. Because, again, then I started thinking to myself, like, who could I cast instead? I thought about Redford. No. No. Is there somebody that you could put in his place that would make this interesting? I'm trying to think. <laughs> I mean, you have to rewrite the intro, obviously, you to, re- to what you what we've talked about. You have to rewrite so much of this movie. But like, if we put like, somebody else here. Who has this, this vibe where you're like, I buy it instantly? I think about Tom Cruise. I've seen Magnolia, so I know why I say this. Okay, I haven't seen Magnolia. I'm trying to think. A Brad Pitt. Oh, Brad well, Pitt. and and so watching this too, there's so many like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood vibes because they're I, up in the hills. I did and get a lot, and it's it's the it's the exact right time. The hair, the st- the clothing. Yes, I did get yeah. those vibes too. Quentin's definitely pulling some references from this movie. Sure, uh, the hair for sure. But Brad Pitt. Uh, Brad Pitt would be a good pull. Here's an idea. Okay. Brad Pitt. Yep. In an update of this movie, directed by Luca Guadagino, the guy who did Call Me by Your Name. Uh huh. Okay. That that whole kind of epic sweepy vibe where you've got that whole hollywood thing mm-hmm. and there's a bit of farce sure. and funny but it, it very quickly gets into romantic but like you have those sadness. slight moments of like 
oh, I need to take a break from all of the mayhem that's out there in the in the back room while I'm mixing my color. I gotta take a moment. <sighs> I mean, I gotta come. I gotta. I gotta. Okay, now I'm back. I'm here to listen to about your day, like all that stuff. Yeah. And then no, it all falls good. apart at the end. Yeah. It be, would be so good. Again. Oh, especially oh, and even Brad at this age, especially an aging hairdresser who's never been out on his own, but like I'm I just want to do it before I'm done. Yeah. Because Ooh, that would be so fun. And because in my mind I'm like, that's the kind of star. And that director reminds me a lot of what Hal Ashby did in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Those are the kinds of stories that he sure. directed. Mm-hmm. And it's just like like Warren fucking baby is yeah. just ruining this movie. <laughs> oh, and he would have so much fun flirting with the with the older ladies. Yes. And then the younger ladies who are just like, what is it about this guy that I just find so hot, even though it's totally inappropriate for me to be attracted to him? Because that's another thing. There are not enough other ladies. We spend so much time with, with the, the three, three. that, and Which, we need a lot more time in the chair with other ladies. It, it should be obvious to us that the women are coming to this salon for him. Yes. And mostly him. They may be seeing another stylist, but they want his opinion. They want whatever's happening to them to be blessed by him because he's got the magic touch. Whatever it is, even though he's not the owner of the salon and the the owner can be pissed at him for being late or like, hey, why are all your people coming in and out? Hey, I'm bringing the money. Or you're not collecting for coffee. I love that. That interaction was great to me. And I liked his response. I'm not charging $25 a head and then collecting for coffee. Yeah. It's cheap. Uh-huh. I loved that. I wanted more of that. Because that is somebody who was like, I understand what I'm trying to build here. I'm also mad because that's how this movie got billed to me. That's what I exactly. always thought this movie was. Hey, I love, I love hair salon drama. I love it. I want more TV shows about just the drama in the salon. I want to see people's hair get done. That's my favorite part of like what not to wear or queer eye. I want to see people's hair get done. It's the best. I desperately want somebody to remake this movie because there's such... I'm so frustrated because I'm like, there's a beautiful, nostalgic, sad story here that I would love to hear. And you could totally do a queer inclusive story too. And it's interesting, like, One of the reviews that I've read, and this is also why I think this movie got a lot of praise at the time, Mm -hmm. is that it is an allegory for the death of the 60s. For for a lot of people who watched it at the time, it's we were all hot shit or Mm -hmm. thought we were. And then we had to face reality. Because of all of the murders. Because of the murders and just life. And now we're in 1975 and Nixon's ruined the country. And now look at us. And we've had to give all of that up. Whoa. It's 2021. Too real. (laughs) Too real. I don't want to face facts. But like, I I do think that's what informed a lot of the positive critical response. I don't care. They read that into it. It's not there. It's not. But they read that into it for sure. Sure. Fine. Whatever. I don't care. But again, you could put that there if you actually fucking tried. (laughs) Could, but like this movie could just I mean but again this movie could be updated you could have some really great queer representation you can make your you can make the main character George queer totally fine and without it being hokey could still be in the 60s I don't care don't make it in the 60s make it today make it today that's make fine it today would would be great Robert Town's still alive he could do this now today would be great yeah yeah 
Okay, well, let's talk about some people that I actually like in this movie. Okay. Let's start with Julie Christie playing Jackie. Before this, she's in Billy Liar, Dr. Zhivago, Fahrenheit 451 from 1966, Far From the Madding Crowd, The Go-Between, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, and Don't Look Now. After this, she has a cameo in Nashville, as we talked about earlier. Mm. Heaven Can Wait, The Gold Diggers, Power, Dragonheart, Hamlet from 1996, Troy, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, Finding Neverland, Away From Her, New York I Love You, Red Riding Hood, and The Company You Keep. What do we think of Julie Christie in this movie? She's the one who wore the black dress, right? Yes, she's the old girlfriend who's he's desperately wanting to try to be with. They all kind of blended together. They they do a little bit. They they we needed a different hair color. Keep them all straight. Julie Christie had beautiful brunette hair. Just let her have it. I know. Uh... I really liked her. I know it's hard because he's sucking all the energy out of the room. But like. Her getting drunk at that party was her fucking getting, awesome. Her getting drunk at the party was funny, but only when she was basically saying fuck you to her husband or to the dude. Lester. To, to her. To Lester. Yes. That was when it was funny. Like when she was standing there being like, meh. <laughs> that was funny. When she just like, when she got down on her knees, was going to give him, was going to blow him. That wasn't funny. That yeah. was, that was tragic and horrible. And the fact that, it's written that these two men are just going to like be like, well, isn't this gross? Well, like, isn't this woman sad and pathetic? It's like, what happened to this poor woman? What did you two men do to this woman that she drank herself to this this place? That's, <sighs> like, this is horrible. And then why aren't you helping her out of here? Yeah. That's what's sad. And, and to me, I felt like because <laughs> this might not have been the intention of the movie, but that's why I actually enjoyed the performance because I kept feeling like the movie was like, all of the men are fucking terrible and these women are actually being given a chance to try to shine. But I don't know that that was actually what the movie was trying to do. I don't know. I, I don't care what the movie was trying to do because what it did do was nothing. <laughs> and it made me mad and that's, also bored me. That's fair. But I, 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 this was, she was one of the shining things for me in the movie that I really, at first I thought this was just going to be a vapid character, but the more the movie went on, it was like, no, she's three-dimensional and kind of amazing. And I kind of love I don't think she's three-dimensional at all. I think she's, I think the other woman is actually more interesting. Well, that's fair. But I, I, I really like what Julie Christie was doing, at least. No, I don't think she did anything. Okay. Well, she was dating Warren Beatty at the time. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But per Lee Grant, everyone knew that Goldie Hawn and Beatty were sleeping together. Fun. Yeah. I mean, this tracks for him. They did break up for good after this film, though they continued to remain friends and work together. Well, that's mature and adult, but like, don't shit where you eat. Oh my God. I keep saying this a lot. I really feel like that's one of the big things going on in this movie that nobody's going to talk about and is probably ruining some shit. I don't care. Grow up. Mm -hmm. Like, if you can't, like, no. Stop shitting where you eat, people. Like, you meet people at work, great, but you cannot date people while you work with them if you're already in a relationship with someone when work starts fine but grow up grow up yes warren Beatty. grow up warren Beatty. <sighs> next we have goldie hawn playing jill before this she was in rona martin's laughing cactus flower and the sugarland express this is actually her big, big cinema break yeah this is her break after this, Foul Play, Private Benjamin, Swing Shift, Protocol, Overboard, Bird on a Wire, Death Becomes Her, The First Wives Club, The Out-of-Towners, Town and Country, The Banger Sisters, and The Christmas Chronicles and The Christmas Chronicles Part 2. <laughs> what do we think of Goldie Hawn in this movie? Nah. She gets moments. 
she's frustrating. The character definitely is. The character's frustrating. And it's just like, you're better than this. What I like is that there are moments where I see see the serious acting and go, you are going to be a movie star. I at least see that here. Here's what it is. She looks completely different than the other two ladies, so she's interesting to look at. She's also got more presence than her fucking lead co-star. That's because she's more interesting to look at than both of them, all of them. She's got the eyes. She's got those bird eyes that she's just like, hello, I'm here. She's younger than all of them. She sticks out. She's gorgeous. I'm not I'm not picking on her. No. I'm just saying she's got very specific features. She sticks out. She's younger than all of them. But I think she's also doing some no. acting. No, she's not acting. Mm. She's pouting. She pouts I... through the whole movie. Uh. Oh, and I love Goldie Hawn. I think she's doing great. I love Goldie Hawn. Overboard is one of my favorite movies. I can like turn it on and I can quote the whole fucking thing. I really like the women in this movie. I did. Okay. I just did. I did not. Then we have Lee Grant playing Felicia. I liked her. Before this, she was in lots of television. The Balcony, Divorce American Style, In the Heat of the Night. Okay. She is the wife of the man who gets murdered. Okay. That we see for about five minutes, but is has such great presence. Sure. Valley of the Dolls, Marooned, and Plaza Suite. After this, Voyage of the Damned, Airport 77, Damien, Omen 2, The Swarm, Defending Your Life, Dr. T and the Women, and Mulholland Drive. Okay. What do we think of Lee Grant? You already said you really like her. I liked her. I thought her character had more going on, and I thought she did more with it. I thought her reactions were better, and again, I know she's reacting to a piece of cardboard. (laughs) But, like, the whole thing when, like, she realizes what was going on with her daughter. Uh-huh. Like, that turn of her face is just like, you bitch. <laughs> like, she's not mad at him. She's mad at her daughter. Of course she is. It's like, bitch, I don't <laughs> think so. Again, imagine Brad Pitt coming out of that I, room and being like, ha. I, no, I 100% can see that happening. So she did more with those types of moments. She definitely does. So for me, she's the best actress in this film mm. because she did like, I mean, they all were giving shit burgers, but she, I, she did the best with it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I enjoyed her. I found her entertaining. And then also, you know, the whole like, I don't care. And then she turns on the stupid music and she's like, we're just going to fuck it. I don't care who comes in. It's, just, yeah, it's pretty funny. much. It's very funny to me. And her scene with Lester at the party after they're gone. Yeah. And just like, this is going to cost you a lot of money. It's going to cost you a lot of money. Like, cause she's just like, because at that point she knows I'm out of the running. I got nothing to lose. Yeah. Well, gonna- and un- until that point, she was like, I'm, I was more than happy to just ignore whatever. But then you threw it in my fucking face. Yep. So now I'm going to stir the shit. Mm-hmm. Fuck y'all. Oh, so good. Which was great. So she, And you could tell she was enjoying that, which is fun. Yeah. So I, for my money, she's the best. I would agree. Out of the three, she's the best. It's just like, you know Julie Christie's really great, and you know Goldie Hawn's really great. But I And I agree, but I'm <sighs> I, we're talking about this movie. I know. I know. Like, I know. We, you know, we both... We both do. We're both 100% guilty of trying to give actors passes when we talk about a movie. Because we're like, but I know they're better. And we say that. It's like we're talking about this movie. In this movie, they suck. Well, and, and They're trash. For me, they didn't. That's fine. But I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah. I like, we, uh, we, need to start, we need to start being more like, I don't have context for you as an actor and I don't care. Mm, I don't know. Finally, we have Jack Warden playing Lester. Mm-hmm. 
Before this, he was in From Here to Eternity, 12 Angry Men, Run Silent, Run Deep, The Sound and the Fury, and Brian's Song. After this, All the President's Men, Raid on Antebi, Heaven Can Wait, Death on the Nile from 1978, The Champ, and Justice for All, Being There, Used Cars, The Great Muppet Caper, The Verdict, The Presidio, Problem Child, Problem Child 2, Toys, Bullets Over Broadway, While You Were Sleeping, Mighty Aphrodite, Ed, Bullworth, Dirty Work, and The Replacements. While You Were Sleeping and Problem Child. How about The Replacements? How about The was the old. He was the old man in the Keanu Reeves football movie. How about the great Muppet caper? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, I knew he was like, that's the dude we know. The man is a character actor he's, extraordinaire. He's a that guy. And uh, he's not bad. No, he's great. I mean, he's he's the rich husband. I love his turn when he finally realizes, I have no fucks to give. Yep. And goes to that party and is just like, sweet. All right. You want me to come skinny dipping? Hmm. Where do I get a towel? And- what I do love is his face. When we get to the pool house mm-hmm. and everybody's reaction, his face is just so amazing mm-hmm. where he's just super, fuck it, I don't care anymore. And then he sees them and is like, I can't, and goes away. Yep. Crushed. Yep. Because he could pretend he didn't know. And once he saw it, it was like, oh, I can't deny this anymore. Because before then it was just like, until I know, I don't know. Until I know, I don't know. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I can't pretend anymore. Uh-huh. I, I have seen it with my own eyes. I cannot pretend that this is actually happening. And the fact that he brings goons to George's apartment Somebody. and is ready to get the shit beat out of him. And then it's like, women, huh? <laughs> Fair. In the one scene where I kind of believe George for yep. fucking once. Yep. Is opposite him. Yep. Uh... That was the one moment where it was like, you're all right. Like you're you're the worst. But it's like I'll give you this moment. At least you get it like, for right this moment. I mean, I'll give you this moment. Yeah, that's it. That's all I get. Let's talk about our puns. And 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 we're gonna talk about an arpon with a lot of stories. What? It's Carrie Fisher playing Lorna. <laughs> oh, she's quite the arpon. <laughs> quite the arpon. This is her screen debut. Well, fuck. <laughs> She has written about this experience because she wrote about everything. Yeah. And she's Carrie fucking Fisher. Bitch, don't hold back. Uh, she was cast through Family Connections. Sure. Apparently, in rehearsing, Beatty ran lines with her while he ate. And she thought the whole thing was just a big fucking joke. Okay. Like, she's sitting there like, what the fuck is this guy doing having me in this movie? Who fucking cares? And of course, as she noted to Rolling Stone, Beatty tried unsuccessfully to proposition her. She was 19. He had final say over her tennis outfit, including whether or not she would be wearing a bra. Gross. Mm Mm-hmm. Because the character claimed she'd never had her hair done, she had to have it longer than her actual cut that she'd already had. (laughs) I mean, that's fair. She had, like, a pretty stylish haircut at the time. Sure. So they used a wig, but that didn't work very well, so then they used the headscarf over the wig. Oh, okay. To kind of hide the the fakeness. Okay, whatever. And apparently her mom was uh, not too excited about the frank sexuality of the part. That's pretty funny coming from Debbie fucking Reynolds. (laughs) Prude. (sighs) Protective. Although I do love, you want to (laughs) fuck? I was like, this is such the most Carrie Fisher thing ever. She's 19 and she's already Carrie fucking Fisher. Yep. (laughs) 
Good times. We also have William Castle playing Sid Roth at the party. Mm-hmm. He was a longtime B-movie producer and director. He directed the original 13 Ghosts and House on Haunted Hill. Okay. We have Howard Hessman as Red Dog. I think he's at the party. This is Johnny Fever from WKRP in Cincinnati. <laughs> okay. And finally, as a girl at the party, Michelle Phillips of the Mamas and the Papas. Interesting. So Warren got some of his famous Hollywood Hills friends to come be at the party scene. Okay. Trivia. Trivia. Not a lot, but the music for this film was written by Paul Simon. Oh, okay. And the little theme through this movie, I actually kind of like. I thought it was really fitting. It's not bad. It's a bad use of a movie, but mm-hmm. like I, I thought if you were making the right movie, this see, this theme would work really well. He did write a title song for the film called Have a Good Time, but Beatty wound up convincing Hal Ashby to use Wouldn't It Be Nice in place of it, which Wouldn't It Be Nice is a perfect song as a theme for this story. Beatty thought mm-hmm. that Paul Simon's song set up George as purely superficial. Okay. He didn't want that, which is weird because George is completely fucking superficial <laughs> as he performs it. Like, what okay. are you doing, Warren? Interesting. God, what a moron. Anyway, Paul made out okay because he took that song and put it on Still Crazy after all these years that came out that same year, which was a hugely popular album. I think won them some Grammys. It was on his run through the 70s. So, you know, Paul did okay for himself. And also, when Warren Beatty imagined the film in 1967, he titled it Hair. (laughs) Okay. But, of course, in 1968, the musical of the same name came out. Yeah. So he had to change Change the title. That makes sense. That's it for this god-awful movie. This frustrating movie, for sure. Nominations. It was nominated for Best Supporting Actress for Lee Grant. Okay. Best Supporting Actor for Jack Warden. Okay. Best Original Screenplay for Robert Town and Warren Beatty. Barf. And Best Art Design and Set Decoration. Mm, eh, Lame. Ratings. Oh, boy. Okay, so only Lee Grant and Jack Warden got nominated? Yes. I'll allow it. <laughs> yeah. You called it. I'm amazing. You're, you're, you're the movie whisperer. I'm a whisperer. <sighs> well, for each movie, we have its own individual rating system. Okay. For this film, are we going to go with 60 Sharon Tate dues? No. 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 How many hair dryers? Oh, yeah, hair dryers stuffed in the in the back pocket. Again, an amazing look. But at the same time, I'm just like, where are your scissors? Like, where's your kit, dude? Like, this does like it's just like it's just poor it's just so poorly done. He could be like, a schlub in every Exactly. That should be the one thing where he is, has precision and he's a machine about, but he's not. And Warren Beatty as a person took no care in showing that he or like there's not like, at no point did they show him really cutting hair. Like, there's one scene where he's actually cutting hair. And it's like, he didn't do a horrible job. But it's like, you're just running around her head. And it's just like, hairdressers don't really do that. Like, I'm sure there's one or two that has or could. But it's like, this is just, like, you're really just distracting from the scene by not actually cutting hair. That's so bad. Like, I would almost rather you stand back there and be pretending to cut hair than this back and forth bullshit that you're pretending to. Anyways. Hair dryers. Uh-huh. I'm gonna go with the one and a half. Oh, okay. Because this movie's really bad. Mm-hmm. I like the idea, I w- but it is a movie that I would like to be redone without like the bad shit in it. Because it could be a cool story, like a f- and a fun one too. 
I'm gonna go one and a half, and it and for me it is that I I watched this movie very much in that mode of, but this should be good, but this should be good, but it's not. I I'm in there going if you hadn't done no but this oh no (laughs) like everything was so frustrating because there was such a good story there and i understood what the movie was trying to be you made a bad and they didn't do any of it it's uh it's not good it's not good Mm -hmm. and it's frustrating from a director who i really really like and admire sure but I don't think it's his fault. It's unfortunate. (laughs) I think it's Warren fucking Beatty. I agree. Well, it's time to get serious. It's time to come down off of a bad comedy and get into maybe one of the most well-regarded films in cinema. Okay. It's time to watch One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. (laughs) Look, here's what I'm going to say. I remember seeing this eventually because it's one of those movies that you're supposed to watch. Yep. I'm aware. I'm aware. But I remember coming away feeling like my mind is kind of blown here. I really was bracing myself, I think, and saw it and went, this is incredible. I think it's just one of those films that I did the play in high school. Yeah. And all the hype around it. It just, it's one of the few things where I'm just like, the hype has annoyed me so much that I don't care. That's where I'm at with it. But it's time, so I'll do it. All right. Well, until next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. (laughs) 